It's Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021, and this is Talk Commerce. Have you ever wanted to do something out of the ordinary in your Shopify store and then found a small application to do it? Wow, this is great. When you use SaaS, you don't own or control any of that third-party code. And you depend on a small army of developers to host and maintain all your applications on Shopify. Hmm, I didn't really look at it this way. Sandra Mongol helps us to understand the benefits of hosted solutions and how Shopware will help merchants run their store more efficiently and less expensive than a SaaS-based solution. He talks about Flow Builder and Shopware, which lets merchants customize specific workflows on their system without needing a developer or a third-party application. We talk about how easy Shopware is to start developing for developers and how the tech stack is developer-friendly. Finally, Sander gives us some 2022 tips for merchants. As a merchant, tell your story. Make sure you have robust product information. Own your customer relationship and make videos. If you can't make your own videos, encourage your customers to make them for you. Then post them on that product. We finish up with ShopwareUnited.com, a global community for Shopware users. Sondar Mongol is a solutions architect on the global market development team for Shopware. This episode is brought to you by e-commerce Unconference, happening on January 21st in Orlando, Florida. This is a platform agnostic event and all are invited from any platform. An Unconference is a conference where you decide on the speakers and the topics which are to be presented. Go to unconf.us, that's U-N-C-O-N-F dot U-S to get your ticket. The capacity is limited to no more than 140 people. And if you've been to an unconference in the past, you know they sell out fast. Go to unconf.us while tickets are still available. Make a weekend vacation while attending a fun event. That's January 21st in Orlando, Florida. And I've heard there are some theme parks there that you can visit as well. That's unconf.us. And now, your free joke. My boss always laughed at my jokes at work, but since the pandemic, she never laughs at them in Zoom. I asked why she doesn't laugh at them anymore. She replied, because your jokes aren't remotely funny. (laughs) My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. All right, welcome to this episode. Today I have Sonder Mangel. Sonder, go ahead. Oh, Sonder is the, he's on the global development team for Shopware. Shopware, woo! Sonder, <laughs> please um, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do in your daily life and maybe a passion you have. First of all, that pronunciation, Brent, was spot on. Oh. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. That was, that was really good. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Sander Mangel, originally from the Netherlands, now living in Italy. Uh, I work uh, over at Shopper uh, as a solutions consultant, let's call it like that. So I talk to, to merchants and agencies that want to use Shopper or are using Shopper and how to leverage it. 
and I work together with uh, Ben Marks in the global market development team, which is always a lot of fun. So we go to uh, new frontiers where shopware isn't as well known yet, and we try to uh, uh, to introduce shopware to uh, to the locals, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, currently focusing a bit on. Uh, on the US as well, so uh, I might be coming knocking at, knocking at your door at some point uh, to push some shopper. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I do. Um, any passions? I have some passions, so my, my cats are some of them. Uh, uh, one of them is sleeping next to me, and other than that, I love nature. So that's one of the reasons I moved to Italy, right? There's literally nature everywhere. It's fantastic. So whenever I can, I go out and uh, and do a hike. Excellent. Um, and they took all the nature of the Netherlands, or is it all underwater right now? Netherlands nature is like, we're a small country with a lot of people, so nature is a park, um, walled off. You know, it's it's very well organized, and uh, everybody just goes to that park and enjoys nature, which is not really what nature is all about. <laughs> I like to walk around and not meet people when I'm in nature. Yeah, so you should, uh, when you do come to the U.S. for your shopware um, travels, you go to Yellowstone or one of the national parks here. There, much more park ah, than yeah. there are people. Although nowadays it's so busy too. that uh, all these parks are, especially with COVID, the the national parks right. are are like you have to get tickets to get in sometimes. You know, and they're barely big places. So anyway, we're not, <laughs> we're not here to talk about national parks. Although we could, I was at Volcanoes National Park last week. I saw a little bit of lava. Oh, could get that fun. close, but uh, yeah, was bubbling, it to bubbling volcano. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. And it was very busy. A big line just to get into the park. Anyways, um, so uh, shopware. I'm excited about shopware. Um, tell us about... Um, what uh, tell us a little bit about shopware and um what what where it's going yeah uh good question so maybe before where it's going a little bit of the the the, the history so i've i've known of the of existence of shopware for for quite a few years i think already 12 years ago I was looking at the solution but back then it was uh php iron cubed which kind of uh you know, that's, that's all I needed to know and, and kind of <laughs> left it laying uh, there. Um, and then a couple of years back, I, I accidentally started talking to one of the developers uh, there, uh, one of the evangelists, and uh, they talked a bit about their plans for Shopper 6, how they were going to completely refactor it from Shopper 5, and um, it will be symphony-based and all that, you know, all, all the good stuff that, that we that we love, uh, but back then I was still doing quite a bit of Magento, so just poked uh, around a little bit, but never really packed it up. Uh, and then recently, like uh, a year and a half ago, I, I really got uh, got heavily involved with Shopware and did a couple of projects, and, uh, and that was it was exciting. It 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 rekindled some of the the uh, you know the, the 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 passion I had for for just basic open source e-commerce development you know like the early days with magento where you would just try and uh, and and build something and spin it up and see see what happens so uh that is i think kind of where where shopper is coming from just to have a a, a very nice developer friendly solution to build open open source uh, e-commerce solutions now where it's going it, yeah now go ahead yeah where's it going tell us 
yeah so so where it's going i i think it's it's following a bit more the trends going a bit more up market right shopper 5 used to be very small sole merchants uh you know install shopper install a couple of plugins and, and then start selling um obviously that's that's not what e-commerce is doing so much nowadays right if you're a small merchant you're probably going to go to a shopify what have you um and i i think that makes a lot of sense uh maybe a woocommerce um but for for smb and and, and smaller enterprise there there's still a big market for for uh, open source solutions um but those clients are are demanding more and more of their solutions, right? You want to have a headless front end so you can integrate with the front end that you like. Um, you want to have integrations with ERP systems. You want to be able to do AI powered search and, and what have you, right? So so uh, both merchants as well as agencies are just asking more and more of their solutions. Um, and I think that that it, that has been very interesting. Uh, so, for example, to see how uh, Shopper PWA grew out from a very simple template to do PWA on Shopper to a whole front-end philosophy on how to approach uh, headless development and, and what kind of a tooling you would be offering to a front-end developer, uh, which doesn't concern a default team, but which is more built towards you know, a JavaScript SDK and, and Composables, that kind of stuff. So so I think that is more or less what, what Shopper is heading towards uh, this year, at least on the developer side, much more a, a robust uh, philosophy on on how developers should be should be building uh, open source solutions um uh, yeah and then maybe on the on the merchant side there's a little bit more more tooling around uh, building experiences and building business processes uh, with for example the flow manager that they now released yeah i was going to say um well i i would like to kind of distinguish um how a community is built and pursued by developers. And I think Magento got its start really there. And then how merchants view the software and how they use the software. Yep. Um, I, I think that uh, Shopware is on the path of developing a robust community outside of the, the European Union, I think would be a good way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially... Um, uh, there's some guy Ben. I don't know. I guess he's been on the show a couple times. Ben, somebody or another. Uh, he is a global evangelist and out there uh, preaching preaching about shopware. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that American merchants would want to know is why would they choose shopware? That is that is a very good question uh, because we are we are still a new player at least on the U.S. market, right? And and uh... So um, we have quite a track record in, uh, well, for, uh, first of all, in, in Germany. Uh, so the company itself has been around 21 years in Germany and, you know, they, they build decent stuff. Um, and then in, in wider Europe, uh, they have been active. Uh, but yeah, in the U.S., we're, we're a fairly, fairly new player. Uh, I think what what does enable us to go into a market and, and really gain traction fast is is a couple of things so first of all shopware is very much geared towards do it yourself so we don't build fully fledged features we build the tools to to build out your own uh implementation so for example the the rule manager is one of the foundational features in shopware which basically says 
if you want to do discounts, fine, you you have a rule builder here, you can build the rules however you like to apply a discount. Or if you want to do special pricing for a certain customer group, or if you want to only display a certain shipping method to a certain customer group, you have the rule builder, go ahead and, and build that solution yourself. So we don't necessarily need to build out all the localized solutions in order for you to be selling in your, in your local market. On top of that, we now, uh, uh, launch the the flow builder which is kind of the same thing as the rule builder but then more geared towards uh, the business process so for example i can build a rule that says if i have an order coming in that is uh, cash on delivery in uh in the great state of uh, minnesota i want to make sure that i send out an email to a specific um, person in my finance department for example that handles that state that follows up on the payment for example right so again we can we can tackle those very specific cases let's say with the tools that we put out and not so much as with the fully flat feature uh, fledged features that you might uh, build so i think that that is a first thing that really helps coming into the us and which should be exciting for for a lot of merchants in the us that they really get a tool which we with, with which they can build very bespoke uh, solutions for themselves. And I think the second is is just how easy it is to use for, for developers. So it's easy for uh, an agency to onboard just a few developers and to start building out their team without having to invest for months or years in, in, in getting senior developers started with, uh, with the solution. And I, th I think that is often the biggest threshold for agencies to get into a new solution that in order to get a senior developer, it might take up to three or four years to, of them actually running projects so they can, they can, they can build something without too much risk. Uh, right, you, you don't want to end up with a project that goes 300% uh, over over hours just because they couldn't figure out how to build something. I think Shopper does a really good job in both keeping the tech stack fairly simple, right, very, very much based on on Symfony, Twig front end. If you do want to go headless, there there is the the Shopper front end framework, um, as well as keeping it it fun to work with. Uh, so it's easy to to start building out. Uh, uh, solutions on that. So, for example, uh, authorized net is, is of course one of the the must-haves for the US, uh, and the the guys over at Paradox Lab. It, it took them basically a, a few weeks to to implement that solution uh, from from A to Z and and rolled it out on the marketplace, uh, which which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, so I think that that is uh, pretty exciting for uh, uh, for in the US. I think the the flow builder, I guess, is what I'd like to look at and center on. I think that's it's it's not a hundred percent unique, but it is unique in terms of SaaS and you know the bigger players. Um, I'd love this idea of giving or empowering merchants to be able to build some of their own rules that are above, say, rules and promotions or whatever that like fully fledged rules that'll help you to run your business right. Um, maybe you did give you gave an example of of flow builder on how it would help after a order. Are there other examples of merchant based solutions that you wouldn't require a developer that flow builder would solve for you? And maybe frame it in the terms of if you're using Shopify and you want to do something, 
can and I guess Shopify, you, you're a lot of times your choice is well, I can't do it, or I have to find an app and pay for the app, or have somebody yeah. build me an app to do it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So, I, so I think, uh, and this maybe also comes down to the type of merchant that Shopify is focusing on, right? Where where Shopify is often used by by maybe smaller starting up merchants um, that will generally handle a lot of stuff in their backend or from their mailbox themselves. And at some point they, they start to hit that level where they are not responsible for all the finances or all the fulfillment and what have you, right? It becomes a more more complex company that or a more complex team behind it that actually takes care of all this stuff. So there might be a, an email needed to the warehouse or actually a, a message to a, a warehouse management system or you want to add an extra order comment to something because uh, this customer tends to have issues with shipment or what have you, right? All these, all these little intricacies of of running the the backend of an e-commerce shop, right? Uh, we we tend to forget sometimes when we build a web shop that that it kind of only starts when the order is placed and doesn't end there. Um, and that part of, of where, where it starts, where the order starts to live within the company itself that, that has to fulfill it, uh, check the payment and what have you, that is actually what, what, what the flow builder is, is built for to, to address. So making sure that the bro, uh, business processes that the, that the uh, merchant has to fulfill can be automatized. So anything from from sending out an email to triggering maybe a slack message for their for their customer service management or maybe um making sure there is a zendesk message uh, or a message in your zendesk that uh that creates a ticket uh, just to follow up on on someone ordering uh, a more complex product and they might need help with with installing that so your customers can then uh, reach out to that customer if they need installation or a training or what have you right so so all these random uh, uh, business processes that you might have that that shopware or any other platform couldn't possibly come up with beforehand we want to make sure that we have a tool that kind of can address that on the fly and for which you don't necessarily need a developer to to um, to set it up, right? We have we have tutorials, we have we have uh, uh, explanation uh, videos for you to go in, set up your own rules, kind of figure out how you want to build it out. Uh, and if you have something very bespoke that you want to do, you can actually go to your agency and say, okay, I want to have this specific thing uh, also in there. They can build it out, and you can then reuse it because it's part of the flow builder. So it's also very scalable. I think that that is kind of what what flow builder is geared towards yeah and i think you you brought up a very good point there that um something like uh, shopify can't possibly think of all the different things that you'd need so there's third parties that build apps to solve that problem this solves the problem by having rules or tools 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 and rules to make it happen within the application uh, that's, I mean, that's that right there. That's that answers the question, and I think that should give um, uh, merchants a really good idea of problems they can solve within Shopware. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And, and maybe just to to add to that, I think with any platform, um, 
and especially with SaaS platforms, it's always built for the common denominator, right? Because you cannot possibly build a, a scalable platform that caters to any business case there is. So, so whenever you build a feature as a platform, it's always, you know, it'll probably work for 70, maybe 80% of, of the, the clientele I have. So I think it's it's very important to have those flexible solutions that adapt to, to the business needs uh, and, and basing it on these kinds of rules really, really helps. Yeah, let's talk about on-prem versus SaaS really quick. Why is on-prem still relevant in today's market? Good question. So I... I I think on-prem, I don't want to call it on-prem. Let's let's start with that. So I, I think on-prem has this co uh, connotation of, of you having to take some software and then putting it on a, on a server in your basement that you have to keep running and you have to, you know, maintain it and that kind of stuff. Well, in reality, that doesn't really happen for 90% or maybe 95% of the case. Normally, you go to, to one of the managed hosting providers that we have, whether it be for, for whatever open source platform you're using, uh, for example, even for WordPress, and they will manage the server for you. So they'll make sure that the server is configured, there's uptime, what have you. And then on the other hand, the, the updates that need to be run on, on that package generally are handled by an agency. And, and if the platform and the agency do their work well, in general, an update shouldn't take too much time. Um, now, I've, I've worked for agencies, so I know that that is a generalization. But if everything is done well and if, if, if the, the code is built well, in general, it should work just fine. So I think on-prem isn't necessarily that you have to manage everything yourself. It's just that you find the right partner that fits your needs to manage it for you. And I think there, there is a big opportunity for that because and maybe not for every merchant, right? Because some merchants are happy just running their, their Shopify, BigCommerce, what have you, on a hosted environment, and, and that works fine. But whenever you have special requirements, and it can be on the technology side, but that can also be in terms of, for example, um, privacy uh, uh, data that need to be kept in a certain region, or uh, you don't want to use a certain uh, vendor like AWS because of whatever reason, um, then it's nice that you have the option to find the, the 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 partner for you that can actually adhere to those to those requirements. So I think that that is one part of 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 what I would say on-prem or open source software still has a very valid uh, place in in today's ecosystem. The second part is that uh, as as someone uh, that has been on your show always says. Uh, commerce is uh, custom, which means when you want to do something unique, and a lot of uh, merchants want to do that because that's their USP, you have to build custom uh, uh, software at some point. Whether it be a very small app, whether it be a small script that you need to install, whether it be a, a something in the styling that you want to change, at some point you're going to have to build something custom. And guess what? That needs to be hosted and that all of a sudden becomes something that needs to be supported now of course you can do that with a shopify or bigcommerce because they offer apis webhooks and what have you and you you, you build that piece of software 
and, and it talks to those systems via their exposed layer. But then you're, you're left with the same issue, right? You still have software that needs to be hosted, maintained, and can still have issues when you do an update. Because also Shopify or BigCommerce, they might not necessarily do breaking changes, but you get left behind. They, they update their software, they make it better, and you have to maintain to keep up with that. Even worse, there is not really a framework to do your custom development on. So when you do custom development on Shopware or even WooCommerce or Magento or whatever, there are rules and guides to follow. We can discern if a developer built some, an integration in Shopware the right way or the wrong way. We have uh, code snippers, we have coding standards. Uh, as, as a merchant, I can either take that, uh, that piece of software and I can ask another partner or, or maybe even the OEM provider to analyze that code and tell me if this was built the right or the wrong way. When an agency or, or a freelancer or whatever is building toward, uh, against uh, Shopify or BigCommerce, there's not really a rule. They can use PHP, Python, Golang, whatever. They can also use a very obscure language, go for R or something like that, right? And build the whole application that because they just read an article that that's the, the way to go. They can host it on their Raspberry Pi or maybe on a, a, a Google Cloud function, who knows? And if that developer then decides that they actually want to be, be a uh, pottery baker uh, and, and give up development, you're all of a sudden left with a piece of software that, that is non-standardized, that is unmaintained. And, and, you know, you, and it's running you on somebody's pet Raspberry Pi in their basement. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think, yeah, I, that's, that is such a, a good point and is so overlooked, especially in the SaaS community. Um, it's, I, I think that Merchants need to understand that, yes, if if they have a un, uncomplicated system, they need nothing external, then that's it. Like, okay, you're going to rent some code, you're going to have your application that runs in the cloud, and that's it. As soon as you start having or needing external um, external uh, functions and features that are connected in, and of course, you said, as you said, they're connected via the API, but a lot of those, like you talked about with the flow builder, a lot of those things might do those specialized functions that you need to run your business. So, for example, if you if you have a fulfillment, you fulfill that order in Shopware and it goes to your ERP, there's going to be some middleware that has to run that, right? And if that middleware goes down then your fulfillment system has gone down completely unless you decide I'd like yeah. to just I'd like to just copy and paste into my NetSuite or whatever. I think that's it's such a big risk and and then as you um as you go into other pieces of your puzzle and you get into more uh minute details that you would like to have customized, you often end up with um smaller developers who have a great solution, but it's one-off, right? You have a one-off solution yeah. and, oh yeah, it is. Okay. I found this great solution from my shop, Shopify store. I, I, I bought it from my developer who's located in, in Belgium. I don't want to pick on the Netherlands anymore. And, uh, you know, suddenly they decide, well, I'm going to become a brewer instead. And, uh, yeah. I'll leave this application running. And then, you know, suddenly you, 
like you said, you're behind the times because they're not going to maintain it anymore. And you have this really specialized solution that runs a good part of your business that's no longer maintained, and you have no control over it. Yeah, and maybe more to that point, you know, if I run a Shopify store, I probably have about 10 to 20 to maybe even 30 apps. And those apps are pulling data from my system and storing them on, on third-party services. And I'm pretty sure that Shopify ha is very keen on, on securing their installation, but those 20 to 30 apps that are pulling data out of that system might not be. And we actually don't know where they are hosting their data. So there, there's a whole complication of, of you know, it's, it's nice to have some ownership over the code and the data that you have. And, and in general, you rely on, on partners to make sure that the hosting is up to spec and, and to make sure that the, right, the agency will, will run those updates because that, that's how they make their money. That's, that's, they, they are good at that. I think the dynamics behind SaaS are just so different. All of a sudden, you are not the most important thing anymore. It's, it's that bottom line margin that they have to make on, on running that SaaS service or, or what have you. So I think those dynamics are often uh, quite overlooked in my, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, you know, one of, one of the long-term, uh, one of the long-term long things for um, software that you own is that you could run that software into perpetuity meaning if you are good at making sure that your your code is PCI compliant you could run that software indefinitely you don't you're not dependent on a third party to make sure that it's up and running you if you wanted to harden your version of magento 1.0 you could be running it still today uh, or if you were one of those lucky people to buy out Magento Pro back in 2014, whatever year that was, um, you um, you could still be running that. But if you were also one of those lucky people to sign up for Magento Go, it's gone, and you have no yep. you don't you don't have any choice. And it, you know, I remember when Magento Go went away, they recommended Big Commerce as their platform to go to. Yeah, I, I I remember that. Uh, and and just just the last week, I think in Netherlands, uh, one of the the more famous uh, SaaS providers of of e-commerce is called Lightspeed, uh, which used to be a Dutch startup. They got bought over, whatever. You they decided to move up market and and to stop supporting their old solution. And and basically, they told people they have to vacate within half a year, which right it it kind of leaves you out out to dry because there, there's no one that can support this light speed because it's a closed source solution. Well, I, I, I recently even did a little bit of uh, consultancy on, on an OS commerce shop uh, just a few months ago, which I advised them to move on from OS commerce because it might be about time, but, but it, just, just, it just shows how long you can run on, on software that you own yourself and that you tend to maintain properly. Is OS Commerce still around, or is it just somebody so, uh, still running it? I I checked the website and their last message was something big was coming in 2020. Oh, and and that was it. So I I I guess someone still owns it, but uh, they're working on something big. Oh, I, you know what it was? They were they knew COVID was coming. <laughs> they just didn't say the what warning. the big thing was. 
You should come back and see. Yeah, we told you it's COVID. It's coming in 2020. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I think the the exciting thing for me was that uh, Magento 2 was going to be released in 2012. Remember those days? <laughs> yeah, so exciting. Um, okay, so um, we're not going to call it on-prem, but I think the other thing to look at is a version like Shopware that's hosted at, at a company like WebScale or Nexus or whomever you decide to go with. Um, yep. it, can be, it can be turned on and you could be selling things within an hour. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, so, so funny story. I was talking to to a company that was considering uh, one of the SaaS vendors um, uh, to to use, but they couldn't use them because of some legal stuff. Um, and they said, "Yeah, but we we only have a few Symphony developers in house, and we actually have quite a few other developers." And I told them, well, "At the end of the day." You, you can still install shopware on the server, you know, have those few developers run the updates for now and then, and just build against that as as you would with a SaaS product. There's nothing from stopping you. And and a web skill or, or what have you will be able to scale that as well, indefinitely almost. I, I don't think uh, they will give you a hard limit on, on when you should move on, right? So, so yeah, very, very much. Uh, you can be up and running in no time. And if you want to use it as a piece of SaaS software, you more or less can. Yeah, and if you look at it, um, well, if you look at WordPress, right, and WordPress has this self-update feature, and I, I guess I wouldn't recommend people use it, but it does have a feature that you could say, update all my things automatically, because I've never had a developer. I've just installed everything through the admin panel, and I don't care if it breaks. Well, I'll deal deal with it when it breaks. And I, I'm not saying I'm not saying to do this, but in that case, it does turn into like a SaaS platform because you are letting somebody else to do. You are letting a bigger system take care of all your updates by default. Yeah, and. Um, the difference, of course, is you as the merchant or you as the content person are owns that code and you're responsible for that code. But the code is, since you haven't done any modifications to the code and hopefully you haven't installed a hundred different plugins, <laughs> most likely that code will continue to run because you've just installed the base, basic version. Um, and yeah. you know, Magento 2 shopware, if you just install the stuff out of the box, you can continue to run the system without any interruptions by doing the basic security updates and upgrades yeah. in perpetuity. Uh, and I know that there are hosting companies that would also do that for you. Most likely you'd want to have some developer to do it. But the the cost difference then... I mean, especially if you're looking at Shopware Plus, where you're paying, you know, a fee for your transactions, plus you're paying your fee for the whole system, you know, it can easily run you four or five thousand yeah. dollars a month. Shopify Plus is indeed not 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 cheap. It it comes with quite a bit of of expenses, and and right you you can still, especially if you have twenty or thirty uh, plugins installed. It becomes or apps uh, they call it installed. It becomes quite expensive. So, so I think 
you're right, it's it's not an, a cheap solution. And and Shopper has taken this approach where they um, every plugin that is uploaded in the marketplace is actually uh, vetted, so it goes through a technical review. And trust me, that is not an easy review to pass. There there are some people there that are very nitpicky on on what they actually approve. Uh, and be, better than that, they they also uh, check between versions, right? So when you go to the shopper marketplace, you'll actually see for what versions this plugin actually works. And plugin vendors will also get early access to the new releases just to make sure that, that they are compatible. So uh, while I think WordPress indeed can be a little bit living on the edge to just update all, in general, shopware uh, updates should be a little bit easier with, with, uh, with marketplace uh, bought uh, plugins. Yeah, I can I can say that I had a merchant who moved from Magento 2 to Shopify and they've recently and they've gotten suddenly very busy, especially coming into the holidays. This is their first holiday season. And they called me and they said, "Why didn't you tell me that I'm going to be spending all this money even just on transaction fees?" Well, what what am I supposed to, you know, like I it's not my job. They they went to another place, and why didn't the agency tell them that they're the, the thing is that that's there's no motivation from a third party or you know a developer in Shopify yeah. to say, okay, you're moving from Magento, and I realize it's costing you some money for maintenance, but you are going to spend money on all these other things that are um, that are outside of Shopware, but also as part of it, that's something that they won't always tell you that those little like one and a half percent or whatever it is, you know, like I think in regular shop where the cheap version, you have to go with their payment gateway. You don't have any other yeah. choice. I, I think that's an excellent point that you're making. And uh, th that is behind these platforms, there's always ulterior motivation, right? They don't care about your shop. They care about your customers, your products and the transactions, right? They just care about the fact that you have a lot of people buying products, paying that through their payment gateway, shipping that through their shipping solution. Ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised if Shopify goes the way of Amazon, where they actually just open a whole marketplace where they resell your stuff, right? Or like an Alibaba, because they don't necessarily want your storefront out there. That's not really to their to their betterment of the, of their their bottom line right so i think it, and and the same goes for example for for an amazon selling through amazon all well and fun until amazon basic decides that they really like the the stuff that you're selling and they'll and they'll be some stiff competition to 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 go up against so i think that is something that that i, I do hope that a lot of merchants realize that, that those platforms are not necessarily concerned with 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 your individual store yeah no that's a hundred percent true um and all of those um all, all the factors that that you've been bringing up uh in terms of just their store themselves um and the upgrades uh you don't necessarily know or have control of, over all of the plugins to make sure they're upgraded and there's no way until it breaks that you have, you actually know so anyways i know we've talked <laughs> about this subject for quite a long time let's let's move into um i, I do want to kind of come i, I want to talk about a little bit go into the 
controversy, not controversy, but the whole Hufa theme for Magento. There's no need for this for shopware, right? Like, um, there is and there isn't. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, they'll hate me for it, but especially for front-end developers, they're so opinionated on the solution they pick, right? Your average PHP developer will just touch about any code. Don't really care, but front-end developers are super picky. So, so I think even though the front end of shopware isn't too complex we we use twig templating we use some jquery i think that that works for for a good chunk of the shops out there of course there are developers that want something different so we have the the, the shopware front end framework so that you can run your own Vue.js front end or your own react uh, or svelte or angular or name another Fringe framework uh, uh, front end, right? So you can make that decision. And and the same goes for, for Huva. I think if people really like that stack of Huva, we should at some point have that theme in the in the shopper ecosystem. Um, I, I think that's that's only good. What I hope will never happen is that we need something like Huva to actually be able to build a decent front end for shopware. Right? That I, I think that's where it kind of went wrong with with another a solution that I shall not name, that, that you actually need uh, a Willem Wigman to step in and say, okay, now, now I'm just going to build something different because I don't want to spend months, years of my life just building one front end. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that it was a little, it's a little, it, it is complicated uh, because Adobe has gone down the path of our front end is now going to be PWA. So we're not going to give you a built-in solution that's up to date. I'm going to assume, and you're going to tell me in a minute, Shopware is not doing that. They're going to at least maintain a front end that's compatible yeah. and works well and is fast. Yeah, uh, we we are because we understand that PWA is not the solution for every store out there. Um, I think PWA is only applicable to just, just a few stores. I think SPA applications might be applicable to a bit more stores. And maybe in the future, when we really have nothing else to do, we'll build every uh, store on the SBA. But I think for for years and years to come, we will still just use basic HTML, CSS, and a little bit of JavaScript to deliver a very fast front-end experience. Because guess what? If you just have HTML and a little bit of CSS and just sprinkle on top of just a tiny bit of JavaScript, you can deliver a very, very fast front-end milliseconds especially if you throw in some varnish maybe a cdn I, it, you don't need an spa for that i think i think even that that an spa front end can be slower than that yeah and just to remind me does spa stand for super powerful application x or single page application whatever you like but the, the idea that you click on the link and it yeah. doesn't reload and you know all the goodness uh, yeah, you're you're right. So a single page application, uh, you know, it, it it is nice. I've seen some really cool stuff happening with that, uh, but it isn't required to have a good mobile front uh, front end experience or a fast front end experience. It's it's not an absolute requirement, and and to that point, Shopper will keep uh, uh, supporting both. Yeah. So the I mean the bottom line is um, I think when the original front end was released for Magento 2. It was pro it was developed in the 20 
12s or whatever. It was old, right? And it came out, it was yeah. old. Um, so developers don't necessarily have to worry about that super old cold code being in shop or six. So we, we went for a fondant with Twig templates, um, with, uh, uh, and with, with, with jQuery now it, uh, and bootstrap. Now it could very well be that something else comes up, right? Because I used to be able to develop smarty templates and I don't think that's really a thing anymore. So, so. We are well aware that technology moves fast and, and we might be looking at an outdated uh, tech stack on that end. For that reason, we, we also invest in the uh, Shopware front-end framework, which is basically a couple of layers. So we have an API layer that is it's, it's fully API first. Anything you can do in Shopware, you can do in an API. On top of that, we have a plain JavaScript SDK because we, we figured that JavaScript will be around for a few years to come at least. Uh, on top of that, we have built composables that are TypeScript. So where the, the JavaScript SDK is still very opinionated and you really have to know how Shopper works, these composables already have business logic that kind of oversimplifies stuff. So if I add an, uh, if I want to add something to the cart, it will take that SKU, take that quantity, uh, call the right API to add it to the cart, handle any exceptions that come back, and then also refresh the, the mini cart because you don't need to know that you actually need to refresh the mini cart. So that's, that's TypeScript. That should, again, not be too opinionated. I think TypeScript is also, I think, a safe bet. On top of that, we build stuff in Vue.js. And to be honest, maybe you don't like Vue.js or maybe Vue.js will go the way of Angular where nobody wants to use it anymore. Who knows? We didn't build that necessarily to 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 last, right? If if you want to go with Svelte, you just take our JavaScript SDK and the TypeScript composables, and you get rid of of the Vue.js layer. So this is our answer to to future proofing uh, the solution. That if you don't like what we're using, it should be you should be able to swap it out. Yeah, and then I mean, and we we got into a little bit of technical technical bits there but i think the the thing is yep. if we're, if a merchant is listening right now that the major the shop the shopware system and front end would work for them it works for them out of the box it works yep. for them if they bring it to a hosting partner it even works for them from a SaaS partner or a SaaS platform yep. and maybe we have a little bit of time left maybe we could just talk a little bit about SaaS and how SaaS works with shopware yeah, yeah, good point. So um, I think Shopware itself, it is dirty word monolith. It's it's one it, w it is one piece of software, right? That you put on the server um, and and it runs there. Um, and I know it's a trend to make everything microservice, but guess what? Someone has to maintain those, so that 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 becomes a problem. Uh, you could use uh, Shopware also as as a SaaS solution, but it would be a pass, which means basically platform as a service, right? So you give it to someone to host that. Uh, Shopware also has Shopware Cloud, but that is really geared towards the, the, the smallest of the smallest merchants. So I don't think that is necessarily interesting for, for your listeners. Uh, but in general, my recommendation would be if you don't want to have the hassle of, of um, developing and maintaining uh, Shopware yourself, find a provider that offers the, 
the, the, the past version, let's say. So that takes care of, of updates for you and what have you and that hosts it for you. And then you can very well use Shopware just as, as a SaaS product. Uh, you can install themes. We have a, a system in place that uh, that would allow for apps with webhooks, with a, uh, an app system in the uh, in the uh, Shopware core itself. Uh, so it doesn't need to be exposed to plugins that can uh, inject uh, code or what have you. So it can be used as a SaaS uh, offering, but at the end of the day, it will never be a, as they call, multi-tenant SaaS solution that you would have with, for example, Shopify. Um, and I guess one other benefit that I've 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 spoken to uh, Shopware about is the SaaS eventually can become on-prem like you can yeah, move yeah. The, you can take all everything you've done in that sash version and you can move it to and i don't know if you don't want to call it on-prem what do you call it good question uh can we do a poll amongst your listeners have them yeah. send in suggestions have them it's it's you know that that is the issue i think what what the uh staff providers have been very good at is 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 um, giving negative connotations to to the words that we use like on-prem or monolith or or what have you, right? Because those are very valid uh, ways of approaching software. Uh, but you know, SaaS has been very good at marketing. Yeah, a hosted platform or something like that. A hosted platform, yeah, uh, a, a, a a platform that you own. A non proprietary Yeah, you platform. own the code is the best way to say it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The code, data, everything. It's yours. Um, so we have a couple minutes left. What what sort of what do you think is coming in twenty twenty two? And if you were to if you, know, you are advising merchants, what are you telling merchants that they should be doing for twenty twenty two? Um so I think in general, um everybody's already offering, you know, uh, same day shipping, next day shipping. Everybody's offering a gazillion payment methods and what have you. And and we're we're very good with our customer service. And we'll you know you can return everything hundred days afterwards. So I think that is kind of covered so far. So I think what merchants should be really focusing on in in the year to come is first of all the experience. Right, the story they tell. Uh, I think it, it 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 becomes more and more clear that consumers value authenticity value a story value value people that actually care for their employees that kind of you know weird stuff um so i think telling it telling a story beyond the products that you sell is very important uh second i think just just the quality of of the product data that you put out there um I, I sometimes I have to go on Amazon to buy something. I don't want to, but I have to. Um, and it always amazes me that products are sold with literally two lines of of, of product description there. And I, I don't know what I'm buying. So either I'm going to skip that or I'm going to buy it and then return it because it wasn't exactly what I wanted to have. So I think really taking care of, of the product data that you put out there is, is, is quite important. Um, Make sure there are videos of your product, right? Make sure that the, the the client actually sees this product being handled in the real world, whether it is fashion or a garden chair or, you know, show the product, show what you're selling, and that'll drive down returns. 
it'll it'll bump up uh, uh, customer satisfaction and it'll really help with the conversion because people know what they're buying and they're buying with confidence. So I think that is very important. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the video one is really good because, and that's where you get engagement from your customers and even giving out a, say you give somebody a $5 gift card to uh, to do a video or whatever, or you don't give them anything. You just, they they evangelize your product and, and they, they, a lot of people like that video on, on that product. And if you've, your customer's doing it, that's, that's even more powerful than if you did your own video. Yeah. Uh, so something else that might be controversial, but but you know, own that relationship with with your customer. Don't rely too much on marketplaces or mass influencers or what have you. I think influencer marketing is here to stay for sure. But uh, look at, for example, how China does it, where they turn literally any customer into an influencer, right? So ask your customers to make a video of how they use the product or, or what have you. Make sure that they are talking about your product. I think that's much more valuable than paying who knows what to to someone with a Twitch stream that might be talking about your product. So so really invest in owning that relationship with your customer and making sure you you have a, a long lasting relationship with them. Um, yeah, I think I think that is very important. That is something that you should be in, investing in. I'm not telling everyone to go on TikTok and sell their products. I don't think that works. Uh, but but your customers do know where where they are, right, uh, and and where their friends are, uh, and and they can sell uh, the product to them. Uh, so I think that that is something to definitely focus on. And I've been putting videos on TikTok, by the way. Not just dog, not just dog fan. videos, but I have been putting I'm, videos. Yes, your your videos are the highlight of my day. I, I am not TikTok <laughs> though. I, I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> Excellent. I never I never figured it out. Good, good. All right. So um, as we close out, um, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. So go ahead and tell us what you'd like to plug or promote today. Right, so what I would like to plug is Shopware United, shopwareunited.com, which is uh, the community initiative uh, uh, that is that is specifically non-German uh, because Shopware had a big community, but mainly focused on, on Germany. So if you're not speaking German and you do want to get into the, uh, the community of Shopware, and that is not just for developers, but also agencies, merchants, whoever wants to be actively involved in uh, the development of open source e-commerce and, and of, of that space, go to shopperunited.com. We do uh, also meetups there. Uh, there. There's a wonderful team that is driving that of merchants, of, of agencies that are very heavily involved. So that that is my uh, plug for today. Great. Shopperunited.com. I'll put these in the show notes. Um, Sander Mangal. The solutions architect on the global marketing development team for Shopware. I hope I got all that right. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, thank definitely. You so, thank you for being here today. It's been very. It's been Thanks my pleasure. For inviting me. This episode is brought to you by e-commerce unconference happening on January twenty first in Orlando, Florida. This is a platform agnostic event, and all are invited from any platform. An unconference is a conference where you decide on the speakers and the topics which are to be presented. Go to unconf.us, that's U-N-C-O-N-F dot U-S, to get your ticket. The capacity is limited to no more than 140 people, 
And if you've been to an unconference in the past, you know they sell out fast. Go to unconf.us while tickets are still available. Make a weekend vacation while attending a fun event. That's January 21st in Orlando, Florida. And I've heard there are some theme parks there that you can visit as well. That's unconf.us. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.